and welcome into the roundtable. Bill Priestley here with you alongside Tony Mulvey, and we're going to be running through our fourth quarter earnings recap. Yep. Uh, going over to several uh, companies that have uh, posted earnings that are of, of good interest to us in terms of maybe a good barometer of how things are going to be going here as well. And Tony, leading off our discussion here is a company we've been talking about for a while, uh, Target. And maybe even a year ago, you were looking at uh, you know a situation where they were had you know, the, the famous quotation of, uh, we may have misestimated mis- uh, our transportation costs and that kind of thing. Um, but with that, they come back with Christine Lee, their EVP of uh, Chief Growth Officer, says, throughout 2022, changing altitude towards COVID, followed by the pressure from persistent inflation, caused demand for discretionary categories to slow meaningfully. With this in mind, I've taken a cautious approach to the issue's inventory commitments in many of those categories. And then Michael Fidelki follows that up with um, fulfillment mix has also seen a permanent shift. Our same-day services have seen explosive growth. They now account for more than half of our digital sales and more than 10% of our total sales. And that trend shows no signs of reversing. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago in Roundtable and the fact that it looks like Target kind of advanced itself 10 years and it's going to turn itself into an e-commerce unit. Yeah, and that's kind of been their play, right? They're kind of this bellwether and doing things differently than Amazon, right? Amazon's that bellwether for e-commerce, right? The, the DCs, those micro-fulfillment centers, things like that. Well, Target has been in this game, but they've been using their stores as those fulfillment centers, right? You go online, just click pick up in store, you pull up, you hit that you're there, and they bring it right out to you. And that's kind of been this trend that Target has been that lever that they've pulled, right? Mm-hmm. That they use the footprint that they that existing footprint. Obviously, now they're making an investment into building some more DCs to kind of speed up that process, enhance it. But they've used it, and it's been successful. Obviously, they talk about it, right? They've seen those that shift kind of, it kind of pulled that demand for that forward. Mm-hmm. And and now consumers are so used to it, it's hard to go away from it. But I think one of the interesting things is you look at their inventory levels, right? They were down 3%. And no inventory on the balance sheet's hard. It's very nuanced, right? Because right. it's in value. Inflation plays a factor into that because, again, it, they're not adjusted for that number. So the cost of their inventory is up. But inventory levels as a whole, if you were looking at it, were down 3%, right? That first quote that you see, they say, we've made cuts on the discretionary side. They've been more... So you think about discretionary items, right? TVs, electronics, things that really saw a boom throughout the COVID cycle. Really, now people are cutting back on spending those because... Ultimately, you buy a TV, how long are you going to keep it, right? You're not, right. it's not one of those turnover items. It's more durable in that durable goods. That inventory level is down 13% year over year. So they've really been kind of cognizant of what inventory to bring in that's going to actually move as opposed to these items that now you're, see- I mean, you saw it throughout their, those were the items that were deeply discounted because they needed to move yeah. the items. Let's move on to Sporting Goods and uh, Dick Sporting Goods, which came out with their quote from Navdeep Gupta, their CFO. Quarter-end inventory in- levels increased 23% compared to Q4 of last year. But as a reminder, we were chasing inventory last year amidst industry-wide supply chain disruptions. Therefore, the more useful comparison is against 2019 
And compared to Q4 of 2019, a 38% increase in sales was well ahead of our 29% increase in inventory. And therefore, our inventory is healthy and well positioned. Yeah, so a little different in terms of like, yes, it's a retailer, but it's a more specific specified retailer specific like specialized so it's kind of this gauge of like where their inventory that they have to bring in is is completely different right mix right as opposed to a target or a walmart so seeing growth in inventory in a market like that isn't really like like you said we were chased they were chasing inventory right because it's more seasonal things like that right you've got their winter you've got different sports seasons things like that so Seeing, again, a growth in inventory, not really a, a surprise, but I think Dems making that comparison to 2019, really, it really does help because we've grown, hey, we've grown sales 38%. We've only grown inventory by 23%, right? This is where we should be as yep. opposed to going from yeah, the, the ups and downs of COVID. Exactly. They're not in a position where, hey, we're going to have to get rid of this inventory. It's inventory that we don't want, which was one of the issues that, a company like Target faced right. throughout 2022. Let's move on to Best Buy. Uh, and from Corey Berry, their CEO, from a merchandising perspective, the largest impacts to our domestic comparable sales decline came from computing, home theater appliances, and mobile phones, partially offset by growth in gaming and tablets. And consumers indicate that more of their tech purchases are need-based than want-based. For example, in their recent surveys, they said the majority of consumers indicated that most tech purchases are for functional reasons versus emotional ones. I would like to congratulate the American people for doing these surveys because when they come out and say that the needs that the that their buys are need based as opposed to want based, but their dollars say they're buying gaming and tablets, uh, it's a little bit. Of a, it, you're not exactly telling the truth there. I yeah, think. I mean, it's one of those. It's, this one was an interesting one because I mean, you, I mean, they're going through kind of this restructuring, right? I mean, we saw here just the store closing in in Chattanooga, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're going through kind of this restructure of like of their business model. But one of the interesting parts in this is what they mentioned were areas that got pulled back on were areas of that discretionary spending. But you also saw areas like, again, gaming and tablets, mm-hmm. more of discretionary spending too. So it's like, like it's almost like it, it shifted, right? People are still spending. It's just where that shift happened. But you also have to remember, was it one-to-one, right? Did we yeah. stop buying TVs to go buy a compute, gaming, meaning computer, consoles, things like that, sure. other things? It's probably not one-to-one, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key to remember there is they probably lost a lot more on the discretionary side than what could be offset with gaming and tablets. Okay, let's move on to Treehouse Foods. The pressure on today's consumer is significant, says says Steve Oakland, president and CEO. Shoppers are seeking value, and the private label value proposition continues to gain momentum. Support unit share gains, um, supporting unit share gains, which we've now seen for the last 54 consecutive weeks. Not a surprise. Yeah. I think this is, and part of the reason I didn't include Walmart in this is because this also shows it, right? Walmart talked about, hey, we've seen an increase in the higher income looking for more value. Treehouse Foods is a private label manufacturer. They've seen that continued growth in private label taking share. People are looking for value. And I think it's not necessarily a sign of a recession, but it's showing that consumers are willing to make changes to their shopping behaviors, right? I think that's a bet that CPG companies are are making. I mean, 
I looked at Coke and Pepsi as well. Like they're not seeing any shifts in there, but you have let I would say less options for private label in in the beverage space as mm-hmm. you do in some of these other CPG like canned vegetables, right? How easy is it to go to a Publix, for example, and buy a Publix branded uh, canned vegetable versus the name brand right next to it that's 30, 40 cents higher per right. unit. Okay, let's move into the transportation stick, uh, transportation area, really. C.H. Robinson with uh, Mike Zeckmeister. Uh, first off, or first of all, the demand has really pil- pulled back here, and that's really clear. Uh, as a result, the spot market has really dried up. There's not a ton of opportunity out there. We're anticipating a 16% year-over-year decline in truckload spot cost per mile in 2023, most of that coming early in the year. Yes, yeah, so spot market activity, look at look at rejection rates, right? We're talking rejection rates at 3% right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you look at their spot cost. So I think we have a chart of it that shows the NTIL, right? So the spot rate X fuel. What you'll see is, they've come down so far mm-hmm. that, I mean, over the length of the year, I mean, you're going to have to see rates increase uh, here. Perfect. So full year 2022 average spot rate X fuel was 216. Right now, average in Q1 to date, $1.82. So, I mean, even at a 16% decline, we're right at 17% right now. So, I mean, spot rates really can't, Go the longer they stay here, pulls that average down, yeah. right? So that's the key. If we see any more downward movement, we're further than that 16% decline, uh, compared year over year for the full year. Okay, like, and let's quickly go to Knight Swift with Adam Miller, their CFO. Over the road truckload co- contract rates will be pressured with few new c- non contract opportunities until the latter half of the year. We expect these non contract opportunities combined with some p- return of peak season volume to result in rates inflective of inflective positive year over year in Q4. Yeah, I mean, again, one of these things, a lot of projects pop up very direct to spot, things like that that typically pay higher rates in Q4. Didn't mm-hmm. happen this cycle. We'll see what actually happens. I think that's some of that optimism that we're seeing from these larger players. We'll see if it actually happens, but there's definitely a chance given how low rates fell in Q4 of 2022 that 2023, they may inflect positive, even if it's just a couple cents. If it's been a tough Q4, it'll be a tough Q1. We'll have those earnings reports coming up in a few months there as well. Tony, thanks for joining me here. We'll take a short break and be back right after this. 